0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Lindsay Nylon. Lindsay's come from a gymnastic background and he's the founder and creator of Horse Rider Fall Safety Training, teaching recreational riders, professional riders, jockeys, and trackwork riders the skills to enable them to react quickly and safely in the event of a fall. Now, he presents this internationally. He's recently presented a session at the International Jockey Safety Conference in Dubai and delivers training internationally. How are you today, Lindsay?
1: Yes, well, thanks, Dennis.
0: Good, good. Lindsay, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us?
1: Oh, yes, I've got a number of them, but one that probably is particularly relevant from the point of view of what I'm doing. It's from an an old Mexican proverb actually and uh, the quote is it's not enough to know how to ride you must know how to fall so I don't know (laughs) who came up with it but certainly it's been around a while and uh, you know very relevant from the perspective of what I'm doing.
0: And yeah I was going to say particularly good one from you because I introduced you as someone with a gymnastic background but you do actually ride horses for recreation don't you?
1: Yes. Look, I have ridden recreationally a number of times over the years, but you know, I'm certainly not a professional rider or professional riding instructor. Mm. Since launching into this uh, initiative uh, some three years ago, I certainly have learned more about riding skills and practices, but the aspect to what I'm teaching is to do with enabling riders to protect themselves when they're in that unfortunate situation of, uh, you know, being going you know, to hit the ground in some way, shape or form.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, can you tell us a bit first of all, I want to know how you started with horses and what your first memories were riding. But then I'd like to talk a bit about, you know, your gymnastics and how the two came together and um, you know, to start this program.
1: Yes. Well my first experience riding was actually when I was living in the, the US, I got offered an athletic scholarship to represent Arizona State University in gymnastics. So that's where I did my undergraduate studies in sports science. And while over there, when the gymnastic season was not in full swing, we, our teammates, would engage in a number of recreational activities. Uh, Skiing was one of them, but not that I did that. Uh, very much because there was a bit of an injury risk but uh, horse riding was something that we particularly enjoyed doing so we'd often you know get out to a track uh, and do some trail riding uh, uh, there but that was as I said more as a recreational pursuit Mm -hmm. and then when I returned to Australia I did a little bit of riding recreationally again first in Perth and uh, you know more recently when I'm moved to New South Wales. So.
0: so tell me now about, you know, because you know, it be, particularly because of this proverb, you know, if you it's not enough to know how to ride, you also have to know how to fall. When did the whole awareness of the falling and the whole idea of the program, when did you come up with that?
1: Yes, okay, it's a good question. Um, well, two things I think that come to mind that are significant in terms of that One was when I was coaching professionally in gymnastics, so My background in gymnastics is I I represented Australia at Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games many years ago and uh, won a silver medal in in gymnastics in the Commonwealth Games. So I spent a good part of my life uh, competing professionally in that sport. And then after retiring from the competitive sport, I went into professional coaching. So I coached for many years in, in WA and I was formerly the head coach of men's gymnastics at the WA Institute of Sport. While I was Doing that, one day I received a call requesting for me to do uh, an ad hoc training or some ad hoc training for their apprentice jockeys for the WA Turf Club. Now, that was going back many years, but you know, that was certainly something that I felt was important. Firstly, because uh, in gymnastics, uh, you know, learning how to tumble and roll and dive roll and do all those sorts of things is is, uh, second nature to a gymnast, but it's not necessarily second nature to a person who's had no training in that area so that training session I did sort of raise my awareness of the importance of riders having the training I didn't launch into what I'm doing now at that point because I was heavily involved in gymnastics professionally Um, I got out of gymnastics some years ago and then ended up moving to New South Wales to work in you know a corporate HR sector and uh, I was just over three years ago now it was around uh late in um, 2014, I suppose, and early 2015, when I was seeking to change careers, that I started to think about, well, I'd like to get back into a, a training role of some sort or coaching role. And it was around that time that there were a number of catastrophic fall incidents in the racing industry. And it was mostly apprentice jockeys that were coming to grief. And I think uh, I recall there must have been about four or five serious falls in racing within a a period of about 18 months to two years. So it was in fact that that raised my attention. And the fact that I was looking to move into a training role, I thought, well, I just that got me thinking carefully about, well, what training do not just the, the jockeys and you know racing industry participants do, but uh, equestrian riders of all disciplines. So I started to investigate that and it became evident to me very quickly that most riders have not had any proper training in skills-based training and what to do uh, in that moment if they are falling from their horse and how to protect themselves. So really, that's what was that created a catalyst for me to design this training program and I decided at that time in around early 2015 that this is something that needed to be done so I launched into it at that point pretty much uh, straight away.
0: Good, good. Now for someone you know people that listen to the podcast obviously have got an interest in horses the majority would be riders. What sort of skills does someone need to start to learn about protecting themselves if they do fall? You know, no one wants to fall off, but, you know, sometimes it's a bit unavoidable, yeah.
1: That's right, yes. Look, um, you've made a good point that, obviously, first and foremost, if a rider's in trouble, you know, that they don't want to fall off and the first thing they should do is, of course, try and recover a situation. So nothing that I'm teaching changes riding skills or practices. Obviously, you know, it's better to stay on your horse than to come off. So nothing changes there. So what I'm teaching is what riders need to do, how they need to respond when they get to that point of what I say is the point of no return, meaning, you know, you might be struggling to stay on, become unseated, or worse still, perhaps be just flying through the air and you realise that there's nothing you can do, the ground's coming. So it all happens rather quickly. You know, the analysis work I've done and the study I've done about rider falls, it certainly demonstrates that fall times are rather quick and they are on average around three quarters of a second. So, you know, sometimes it's a bit quicker. Uh, if the ride is falling from a, a low height, it might only be half a second. Other times it can be a bit longer, meaning they might get bucked into the air or in, in, in midway through a jump. They can have a second or more. But on average, it's three quarters of a second. So, look, we know that's pretty quick. But, if the good news is, that if riders have had some proper training, our brains work rather quickly in an emergency. In other words, we can be trained to kind of react quite spontaneously in order to protect ourselves. you know, if the ground's coming. But it's not something that people can do without training because if you have to kind of consciously work out what was happening in a fall and then say, well, should I do this or should I do that, then you'd hit the ground before you know it. So mm-hmm. that's why the training is so important because people have to react quickly. So moving on to, you know, that important question, well, what is it that writers need to do if they find themselves in this situation? Well, the initial response action that I'm teaching is firstly to let go of and and get the arms into what's called the brace position. Okay, now that's really important because when I look at sometimes fairly serious fall accidents, if we look at the reasons why people can get hurt badly as opposed to dusting themselves off and walking away, it's usually one of a few things and that is first it could be direct face or head impact into the ground. Mm -hmm. It could also be a rider ending up underneath a horse Or worse still, if the horse is falling, the rider end up again with a horse coming over the top of them. So the things we do with fall safety training to reduce those risks of the more serious things happening are to train the rider to park company with their horse once they realise that there's no way they can save it. So, letting go of the reins is very important because obviously, hanging on to the reins, I think most people would realise that that increases the risk of getting dragged under a horse, or also it increases the risk of falling together with the horse if the horse is falling. Secondly, with the arms in what's called the brace position, which is a position that a gymnast would use if they're coming down, you know, say head first in a dive roll, is to break the fall without. to reduce the impact on the head and neck as you hit the ground and also it enables the rider to tuck and roll which i think everyone realizes is the best option if you do hit the ground uh, awkwardly is to tuck and roll so with a bit of training those basic techniques we can practice enough to get them into the rider's sort of subconscious brain a little bit so if they realize they're falling it's not what do i do next it's Idea. Oh we, we need to let go and we need to deal with the ground. And look, I'm not suggesting that this training is going to be a panacea and it will prevent all injury from happening. We know that there's inherent risks in every sport and obviously horse riding is one of the more higher risk sports that riders participate in. And some activities are riskier than others, of course. Um, but importantly, what we're doing is we're doing things to downgrade or reduce the risk of the more serious injury. And that's no different for any helmet Obviously, it's much safer to ride with a regulation than it is that is to be without one, but you know that's no panacea against all injury. So this is just one more thing that riders can do to help reduce their risk amongst other things. And once they learn the skills, what I've seen is riders become more confident in their ability to deal with some unexpected situation and it can actually stay on in some cases because, you know, they're less likely to seize up and lose their balance, I mm-hmm. suppose, mm-hmm. when they become unseated.
0: All right. Now, I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that, you know, after the training, they're less likely to fall off because I think sometimes if you're in a situation where you're not sure
1: what's going to happen, people do tend to freeze a bit. Well, look, yeah, and I'll mention one more thing about that, because, you know, that that is an important point. I think some people may, may be reluctant to do the training okay. because they feel that the topic of falling off a horse is inherently negative or it's something that people should try and avoid, which, you know, we know that it's best to avoid a fall if you can. But I'm coming from the perspective of not just a, a former high athlete or gymnast, but a high performance coach, where a big part of our training would be injury prevention. So, you know, rider fall safety training is about how you can help reduce your risk of injury so that you, you know, obviously can uh, ride another day without, you know, sometimes weeks and weeks off recovering from from a nasty injury. Uh, but we recently did a survey of 480 riders to find out a little bit more about different riding disciplines and how often they've experienced falls, say, in the last three years. And the results of that survey uh, uncovered one very interesting point that we've just touched upon. And that is obviously there are some fairly there are some fairly obvious factors there, namely uh, if you engage in certain activities like track work and jumps activity and you know cross-country and those sorts of things, you're more likely to fall than if you're just doing pleasure riding or trail sure. riding and dressage, lower risk activities. I think mm. everyone would understand that, just the nature of activity. So there is a factor in number of falls that relates to riding activity. There's also another factor that relates to riding skills and practices. So interestingly, one other interesting point that came out is pony club riders reported more falls than uh, professional riders did. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you would expect that professional riders are probably riding more frequently which you know they would pony club riders on average would ride less but they had more falls so I think we can safely assume from that that pony club riders clearly would be still developing their skills their riding skills and and we do know that obviously if you've got better riding skills you can probably avoid falls more often than if your riding skills aren't so good so Mm -hmm. you know there's clearly that factor and clearly we know that you know there's a big push for safety these days to improve Mm -hmm. riding skills and practices so we can avoid falls. But the the thing that's really interesting about this is is that when we uh, did some statistical analysis on the number of falls to look at the independent influence of the different factors, and certainly there was the riding skills and practices that came into play, there was the riding activity that came into play, there was also rider Fitness, you know, meaning riders that engage in regular exercise and fitness yes. activity yep. fell off less. Which I think, you know, people would find that logical to say: mm. they're a little bit fitter. You know, you're probably going to recover better. So all of that was pretty obvious. But one thing that you know, uh, perhaps some listeners might find a bit unexpected is those riders, and there wasn't a lot of them out of the 400. I think there was only about 20 who have done proper fall safety training and most likely it may have been uh, one of the sessions that I've offered over the last few years or it could have been another uh, form of training that they've done but those riders that reported they've done fall safety training had less falls than those who'd done no training Mm -hmm. and that was independent of the riding skills so it means that it wasn't tied or related to the type of riding they do or other factors this was independent so what it meant is that people who have greater confidence in what to do are likely to you know less likely to lose their balance mm. in an emergency mm. situation and i've certainly noticed that when i'm training people because when mm. when we train people we don't do real horse work we use gym equipment and mechanical horse obviously so we can train the skill safely but i've noticed when using the mechanical horse where obviously it bucks and spins to throw them off onto an air mattress those riders that are Nervous about the activity, even though it's on an air mattress, you know, it still has that element of fear of falling from a height. But those riders that, as they developed their skills and became more confident in how to respond, stayed on a lot more often mm-hmm. than those that got a bit afraid, tried to say, grab the horse's neck when it starts to buck spin, and the next thing they get thrown off, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yep. really, I'm, I guess the, the, the moral of what I'm saying there is that. Riders shouldn't be fearful that this training, the fall safety training, will lead to increased falls. Mm-hmm. It's probably the reverse is going to hold true. Yep, yep, yep.
0: What do you think is the best thing about working with horse people and working in the horse industry?
1: Look, I, I think it's great to work with people from, you know, different industry, a different perspective, and, you know, I've, I've met some wonderful people um, who've, uh, who've certainly been what I've been doing. So, I mean, it certainly gives me great encouragement. You know, when I I do the training with riders and get positive feedback. I mean, you know, well over ninety percent of riders that do training are very thankful because what I'm doing is not common. You know, it's not like you. You know, you obviously your helmet usage and other basic things you do to improve safety. I mean, the uh, full safety training is still at a very early stage in terms of being an industry-wide initiative. So, you know, it can be frustrating from time to time when you're dealing with industry bodies and they aren't really interested in engaging. But what I've found really good is dealing with a few or a number of riders and professionals who've been very supportive of what I've been doing. So, you know, there's a couple of them. One I could mentioned is a Dr Karen Jander who's the former National Medical Director for the Australian Racing Board and she worked for many years in that industry and um, she uh, recommended full safety training for apprentice jockeys and mm-hmm. so you know she's certainly been very supportive of what I've been doing and people like Deanne Bennett who um, I know um, does the talk show in WA uh, Talking uh, Horses and Deanne's obviously a, a very you know skilled Industry and safety professional in uh, many riding disciplines from Perth and WA, and Diane's been very supportive of what I've mm-hmm. been doing and, mm-hmm. and assisting. So I'm really thankful when I have people of that caliber who are behind safety because often when there's new initiatives, you know, people probably, you know, tend to not necessarily take them that seriously. But sure. something like this can be life saving. So I think it's, it's great, mm. you know, to get the support of people who um, are very interested in safety.
0: And and you talked about Dr. Karen Jander and Diane. Anyone else you think that's influenced you and helped you in your career?
1: Yes. Oh, look, there's been a, a number, but I mean even I certainly have very fond memories of my first gymnastic coach uh, Arcos Kovac. Now he was a very great influence on me and my career in many respects. I mean uh, Arcos has passed away now he grew up in Europe and learned to ride horses as a part of uh, military training he had to do so he was quite a skilled rider but um, yeah you know, he, he would often come into the gym at school and his jobs and uh, you know with his uh, horse riding gear <laughs> and you know, Arkosh uh, introduced me to gymnastics so you know he was someone who had a great influence on, on my success gymnasts but he I remember distinctly and it was published in a book that was written about him, a biography of his life, that um, you know, he had to escape the transit to a prisoner of war camp following the Second World War. And uh, it was a very interesting um, account that uh, he gave, whereby he and some of his uh, colleagues who were heading off, I think it was, to a Russian prisoner of war camp, Hikos felt that there would be little prospect of them surviving that, given the reports that they'd heard from, uh, you know, how people get treated at these camps mm. and he was being transported on a moving train and he noticed one of the doors were, were open they're all handcuffed but Arkos said to his his mates on that train look I think we should make it, have a go at jumping and uh, we can just get through the woods to Austria and we'll probably be free and uh, his mates who hadn't been trained in gymnastics said Arkos you gotta be crazy we're not jumping off a you know, a moving train with <laughs> on. You know, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we'll probably be killed, right? Mm, mm. And Arcos said, "No, no, you just as you land, just tuck and roll." And you know, Arkos kind of knew because he'd had the training. Yes. but, You know, they decided. Well, no, that that sounded like you know, uh, sure death. But mm. Arcos with his gymnastics training, said, "Well, he's going to uh, part company." Mm-hmm. And so they agreed to sort of create a little bit of a distraction for the guard, so uh, Arcos wouldn't get detained as he was trying to jump off the train. So he did jump off and. He tucked and rolled and his account was, he felt like he rolled end over end for ages, uh, probably 10 or more times down an embankment. But he did hang on to his tuck position and he managed to jump up on his feet and run free into the woods. So that was life-saving. I know that's not coming off a horse, but, Mm, I mm. mean, the skills that we're talking about in dealing with falls, you know, really are quite generic. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. You're falling, you're better to go with it and not try and stop your momentum. So, you know, he's another person that was obviously very influential in my career. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, And what a great story too,
1: yeah. Yeah, incredible. So... Um, He didn't tell that story to us until after he retired because obviously, you know, that sort of dates back in time. But still, when you hear that, you realise that, you know, people go through some significant events in their life and it can be often quite life-changing for them.
0: Now, you talked about Dr Karen Jander and sort of the full safety training that she implemented. Do you think the recognition of that was your proudest moment or what do you think your proudest moment's been?
1: Yeah, so Dr Jander didn't actually implement training. But where she, I think, did some tremendous work is um, in her role as the medical director for the Australian Racing Board, this is going back some years, she was awarded a Winston Churchill Fellowship where she travelled to Europe and studied safety, uh, all aspects of safety in terms of obviously making recommendations to the racing industry. And one of her recommendations was that particularly the apprentice jockeys receive forced safety training. But never got implemented I just found her because um, when when I launched what I was doing I found her she had presented her findings from that fellowship to, mm. uh, which were publicly available so I sought her out and met with her and you know she was very supportive given that she hadn't implemented it but realized that you know what I was doing was uh, an important aspect to safety so mm-hmm. so that was tremendous to meet up with her. Dianne, yes, we've mentioned, who uh, has certainly helped. I mean, I've spoken with Dianne a number of times on talking courses, and she certainly helped to raise awareness of the importance of horse safety training uh, you know, through her program. Probably the proudest moments uh, I would have had would be to receive feedback from a number of riders who've come along to do some training, you know, feedback that uh, they felt the training had saved them from serious injury outcomes uh, in falls. There was a, um, a very well-renowned polo player who's chairman of the um, Australian Polo Hall of Fame who came to a training session It was just an introductory one, that he was involved in what could have been a serious fall some week or so later. Um, and he certainly reported back through the Polo Association that what he recalled from the training to let go of the reins and get his arms out so he could tuck and roll mm. Uh, In fact, he felt that, you know, that could have been very uh, significant in terms of saving him from a serious injury, which he managed to do in a short space of time. Mm -hmm. And also I've had feedback from a couple of professional riders, equestrian instructors where, you know, they've uh, come off sometime after doing some training and felt that that little bit of training they had helped reduce their risk of serious injury. So, you know, I mean, that's really great to get that feedback because it really makes it feel that you're doing is contributing to safety, which yep. I know is such an important thing in equestrian sports. So, Yep, yep, oh, that's good.
0: What do you think then has been, you know, sort of to implement this type of training into equestrian sports, what do you think has been your biggest challenge?
1: Yes, look, the biggest challenge, I mean – when I decided to go into this, I thought, well, to do it properly, it needs to be done professionally. Mm-hmm. So I needed to be able to get to riders. I mean, uh, as we know, horse riders aren't typically city-based people. They are more tend to be um, in rural areas or at least, you know, on the fringes of the metro area where there's, you know, horse property. So, you know, it's not just a matter of I me mean, like a, a first aid course. You can run in a a, a city, uh, um, you know, uh, office venue where people can come in and and do training. Uh, but I have to get out to them. So the biggest challenges would be firstly getting the necessary equipment, which is, mind you, quite expensive. We're talking about you know hundreds of thousands of dollars worth mm-hmm. of equipment when you add up the cost of a mechanical horse, a big trailer to park the equipment in, a camper van because you've got to have somewhere to stay, and all of the other gymnastic equipment, which is professional you know grade gymnastics. Equipment uh, that has to be parted around, and getting really because of that high capital cost and the fact that you know I need to sometimes travel for many hours or days if you're heading across the Nullarbor <laughs> to get to riders. Really to make it viable financially, you know I should be training a large number of riders because obviously any rider can come off. So what I'm doing is relevant to all riding disciplines. So the challenge has been. In The first few years is me going somewhere and ending up with you know a relatively small number of clients coming along to do the training because really it's probably hasn't received mainstream support from a number of the industry bodies. Well, I'm certainly making progress there, so you know, I'd hope in the the coming months or year or so that get better engagement from industry bodies whereby it would be good if they were to actively engage and recommend to the riders that they come along and try this out because whilst riders do some training you know often their reluctance or fear of the training will subside Mm -hmm. and it's an important safety benefit so the biggest challenge has been into enough riders and being able to train them in remote locations but you know i think that barrier can be overcome Mm -hmm. and I think it's important given the initial feedback I've had that we work together you know at every angle I mean it's important to get the message out to riders and pony club riders and parents and instructors and all those that are working at the grassroots level but it's also important I think for industry bodies to continually look for ways of improving safety and do what they can to encourage and support safety culture within Mm -hmm. sport. so yeah the biggest challenge has been getting to a large number of riders to really make this what I consider as it should be as a a mainstream safety initiative rather than just being on the peripheral.
0: Yep yep now you've talked quite a bit about the tuck and roll technique do you think that's the most common fault you know when people do fall is it the most common fault that they don't know how to tuck and roll is there anything else that you'd like to bring up?
1: Yes Gannis I think there's probably a couple of main things which come to mind and this is probably through looking at videos and Mm. speaking with people one would be that riders tend to hang on to the reins too long Mm -hmm. as I think I've mentioned that already and look I understand why because well you know there's probably various reasons for that but one would be if you've had no training I mean it's intuitive for anyone to want to hang on when you're falling I mean it's an unnatural thing to be falling from height so you know Obviously, if you're falling down the stairs, you're going to try and grab a hand railing if there's one close by. Mm. If you're falling off a horse, you you try and grab onto something to try and break your fall. The problem for riders of hanging onto the reins is it increases the risk of some nasty things happening like ending up under the horse or possibly worse still, the arms getting caught in the reins and landing face or head first. So that's the first mistake. But... You know, without training, I can't say it's a mistake because it's like, well, we haven't been trained. I mean, it's not an intuitive thing. Mm -hmm. Once you've had some training, you know, you know actively what to do. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I think you've touched upon, is that many riders without training um, will tend to try and stop themselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, we don't like it when we're coming off a horse, particularly if we're going at speed. And the idea is, I want this to stop. So, you know, we try and put our arms and legs out spread eagle and try and come to a stop quickly. And that means we're trying to resist the momentum rather than going with it. So, yes, the tuck and roll is something that people probably recognise the importance of it But when we start to do training, it's not necessarily intuitive for everyone to tuck and roll. So that's why the training is important. Because after a few training sessions, people can kind of get themselves, you know, I'm not teaching people to be competitive gymnasts. So, you know, we don't worry about the fine detail of how a roll should be performed. It's more Mm -hmm. about getting themselves into a body shape Mm -hmm. that's going to protect their head, neck and back so you know we might end up with some bruises and scrapes or maybe you know something gives uh, I'm not saying a rider won't get an injury to a bit hard ground but what we're trying to do is to downgrade the type of to protect neck and back so mm-hmm. it becomes something of a various nature so yeah the problem mistakes are hanging on to the veins and not having the skills to land tuck and roll and go with it okay good
0: Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Lindsay, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend to the listeners, to complement their training?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I In designing this training some years ago, I thought, well, if it's going to be done properly, it needs to be done with some scientific rigour, you know, mm. having a background yes. in science and having worked for many years as a professional gymnastic coach. I mean, I have to document training programs and methods and skill learning methods, so I'm very conversant in that and also very conversant in Analyzing videos of movement sequences and being able to design a skills based training program. So, in going to the effort of having to design the training for rider fall safety, I thought, well, probably a good idea to put the science and the training methods down for all to see. So, you know, if everyone wants to review they can. And also, people who want to learn more, you know, they've got a reference manual. So, I did publish a book on fall safety training for horse riders, and it's called Surviving the Unexpected. For safety training for horse riders.
0: Okay, good. Now, what are you looking forward to now? How are you going to expand your program and um, what have you got in mind for carrying for?
1: Yes, so look, so the plan is to be able to travel to each state in Australia and possibly territory, but it depends upon what support there is to bubble to remote locations. But certainly to date, I've, I've offered training in WA, South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania. I haven't made it to uh, – I have been to Queensland to do a web and discuss the training with industry professionals. But this year, I'm booked to travel to Queensland in the winter months. So on the website, under course dates, you'll see some training courses that are being offered in every state. That could certainly be expanded to Northern Territory and ACT. But really, I'm hoping that my goal would be that enough riders come along and do the training. And the more people that do the training, the more more people there uh, are being uh, referred to or recommended to do the training. So my goal really is to get to a large number of riders to offer the training so that clearly we can see um, injury outcomes reducing when people come off their horse. So I know there's been a lot of focus recently on trying to prevent or reduce falls and that's clearly a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I think most people would accept these days that really it's not possible to prevent every fall from happening you know we're dealing with uh, an animal that has a mind of its own and yeah. can easily get spooked and, and a horse is a flight animal so obviously anything that might frighten it you know its instincts going to be to take off in a hurry and that will often leave the rider in thin air so you know there are clearly situations that will occur where through no lack of riding skills or practices riders have to be able to respond quickly Mm -hmm. to protect themselves. So my goal really would be to get this as a systematic safety measure so that, you know, hopefully we can see injury outcomes as a result of falls improve significantly in the coming years. Good,
0: good. And now if you can um, just summarise your philosophy so that the listeners have got something to take away with them today, just about falls and about rider fall safety training.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, look, I think a couple of key things I'd like to point out. You know, firstly, obviously, I'm not training riding skills or practices, so, uh, but clearly, you know, that is without saying that riders need to improve their riding skills and practices. But from my perspective also, I think riders should undertake some basic exercise program to keep themselves relatively fit. Now, obviously, if people are riding professionally, that becomes more important. But even amateur and recreational riders, uh, I mean, it's a skills-based physical activity. So, you know, just people keeping their general fitness levels to a reasonable level, you know, keeping their weight under control, keeping their cardiovascular, Fitness, the basic exercise program is firstly going to help them improve their riding skills and practices, but also it will help them respond in a fall. In terms of fall safety, my philosophy is if you're going to get up on a horse, learn how to come down. Okay, and it was one of the important safety factors when you know I'm coaching gymnasts or you know every uh, professional coach is before we take them up, we teach them how to come down. So clearly, uh, most of the time, you're coming down off a horse in a controlled fashion. You're dismounting, which is great, but often it's not controlled. So my philosophy is before you get up, learn how to come down, and that is you can learn some basics in a few hours of training, which will protect you immensely. And not only will it protect you in the event of a fall, it'll make you more confident as a rider. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that's probably the best thing I, advice I can offer at this point. Good. Good.
0: Now, Lindsay, how can people contact you?
1: Yeah, certainly. So yeah, the website is au, and on their, on the contact us page, there's email, which is the same words, which is safety at gmail.com. And there's a telephone contact number on the website as well. So that would be the best way. I'm happy to speak to anyone else. um, training dates and obviously as more people become aware of this I think I'm getting more I guess interest from industry bodies, riding clubs, pony clubs and various professionals to come and uh, host some training and train their riders.
0: And we'll have those details as well under horsechats.com slash Lindsay Nylon or just go to horsechats.com and search for Lindsay and you'll find that Lindsay, thank you for talking to us today. Certainly an interview with a bit of a difference, but one that I think is certainly beneficial to the horse world and to anyone listening. Hopefully you've you've picked up even just a couple of tips or you can go to Lindsay's website and get the book or else talk to Lindsay about um, getting some training as well. So thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Glenn. It's my pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.